When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports with Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way and Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe on your live, local and independent home for sports talk in Austin, The Horn. Second hour of Light the Tower on the Horn. Craig Way, Jeff Howe with you, our producer. Cam Parker alongside as well. Clean up from hour number one, Beva Lance Jason says, How is this a story still about the grocery carts? Most grocery stores have been installing sensors on the wheels that lock up the car once they exceed the invisible electric fencing distance. It's still happening, Jason. I People are still it, stealing the carts. I mentioned shopping cart joust because uh, there was a night down in San Marcos where we got a hold of a couple of HEB shopping carts and... Yeah, we had ourselves a little joust you, in the parking you, lot. You, uh, you were kind of an unruly youth. I mean, yeah, there was. I had a lot of stories from my college days that I'm not proud of. Like where there was. What was a, the one in Georgetown you mentioned the, the other night? Because uh, I mentioned to Linda. I took Linda for dinner. We went to Wildfire. Oh uh, yeah, had a great well, my meal. buddy went into a convenience store, unbeknownst to the rest of us, and stole beer. And that was next door to near where the dos sauces right, was, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, so anyway, I, I, I thought about that. I, I regaled Linda with that. Story. Telling you, man, I could, I could take you through Wilco and we could do a trail of tears. I can show you where a lot of tomfoolery took place. That you could, uh, again, uh, repeating the question somebody else asked earlier is Rowan Brumbaugh heard a red shirting. He's red shirting. Oh, well, why are you texting again? We already answered the question. <laughs> he's red shirting. We already answered that. We got all these guards. He's red shirting. So, okay. Rojo and however you say shirt in yeah. Spanish. Uh, Stoner says they're selling those shopping carts in Oklahoma as fuel-free deluxe EV transportation. Yeah, okay. All right. Uh, our friend Movie Golden says, love wildfire. I do, too. We had, we had a nice uh, birthday dinner for Linda there the other night. CB says, hey, that Fred Meyer grocery store right down the street from my house. That was part of the 2800 in the Kroger and Fred Meyer chain that uh, is – getting into trouble because of uh, the glitches in the payroll. You know, Craig, pushing system. yourself around in a shopping cart to get around, that's what they call in general first-class transportation. All right. Here we go again with that. Um, what was it that you wanted to get to? You oh, said no, you just real, to... real quick, because I know yes. we got other stuff. I want to get to a couple other things. But, yes. Uh, the Madonna painting deal you talked yeah, about. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't know this, but I watched the whole bit. I, you know, anytime you watch anything that's got a political slant one way or the other, you have to get through some of the silliness to really get to the root of what's being discussed. Either side. Yeah. So I saw this deal from, uh, it was John Oliver segment on kind of the, the underground. I was fascinated by it because it's like the underground artifact slash art trade and that's a mm. whole business it's like massive in europe and throughout asia just you know ancient artifacts and paintings that have been stolen and now they're in museums and these museums have them and that it's like it 
kind of similar to that deal. Mm-hmm. It's really once you get so far down the road with chain of custody, it gets so cloudy that it's really hard to determine where that thing originated from and how mm-hmm. many hands it passed through. And like, there's a, a large, apparently, there's a large percentage of museums in the United States that have artifacts that technically have been stolen in Europe and then just yeah. kind of passed on and on and on. But I guess that's, I mean, not to say it's a good business, but I guess, like I said, once you get that far down the road in chain of custody, it's hard to remember, like, oh, wow, this is stolen. Yeah, that was 17 owners ago yeah. that it was stolen. Yeah, absolutely. Did you did you ever see that? You probably didn't see this. The movie uh, George Clooney was in it about those guys that were art guys. And when it, it was during, it was a true story, happened in uh, World War II. And uh, they went in to find some stolen art that the Nazis had stolen, and they had to get it out. And they were I, think just, I, know, I haven't seen it, but I think I know which movie you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. Monument Men. What was it? Monument Men. Monument Men, yeah, yeah. Is that a Coen Brothers movie or no? Yeah, uh, I don't know, but I liked the, I liked the movie. It was good. I, I, I enjoyed that. Uh, somebody said, Jeff, as a youth in Sacramento, California, we would take the shopping carts and run toward each other full speed from 50 yards away and then let them smash together. That's what Sad I'm talking truth. about. That's what I'm talking about. Uh, Monuments Men is not a Coen Brothers movie, but no. uh, I was thinking the other day about the Lady Killers. Maybe the most underrated Tom Hanks performance in cinema. Have you seen that one? I Frank? have not seen that one. It's awesome. Okay. All right. Uh, somebody said in high school, one of our football coaches showed up with a small shopping cart from a local store that we used to toss in all the dirty laundry for wash. Yep, had one of those hanging around the house during a uh, halftime beratement, too. We were down 35 nothing to Troy and. Said coach uh, was laying into us and kicked the shopping cart and got his foot hung up in it. Oh, yeah. at that point, that's when you realize, yeah, this season's uh, not going how we we're, pa- we're past the point of no return now, boys. This wow, headed downhill fast. It makes a difficult thing there. I, I just saw um, uh, NFL Network announced it. The finalist for MVP. So let me get both of you guys. If 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 you were to just right now, if I just asked you. Who's your MVP in the National Football League this year? Patrick Mahomes. For, for, to to play a little devil's advocate to Cameron, I'd say Jalen Hurts. Okay. The finalist named for MVP in the National because, you know, they have that honor show now they do, and that's coming up, I think, on February 9th. So the finalist for MVP are uh, as follows. Uh, Justin Jefferson is one of those. Okay. Uh, Josh Allen, okay. uh, Patrick Mahomes, I think Kirk Cousins was also listed, and um, and then um, um, Jalen Hurts. Jalen Hurts. Okay, yeah, those were the the finalists for MVP for that. And I'm kind of with you. I think I'd go with Jalen Hurts. Yeah, I got, I got, uh, Patrick Mahomes is what he is every year. It's There's probably no it. Mahomes, it's very, very close. Mahomes is – I compare where Mahomes is now to where, like, LeBron was for a large portion of his career, where Shaq was. They could be the MVP every year, kind of like Mike Trout. Mike Trout, could, if he's healthy, could be the MVP in the American League every year. Yes, absolutely. But, you know, hey, let, let somebody else have a turn at it. Speaking of baseball, Craig, I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to get to. Mm-hmm. All right. Baseball Hall of Fame, the yeah. balloting was made public yesterday. Scott Rowland is going into the Hall of Fame. Yeah, whenever I watch Scott Rowland, no disrespect to Scott Rowland or 
Scott Rowland fans or family members who may be listening, I never thought I was watching a Hall of Famer. I understand that. I looked at his numbers afterwards, and what was it? Uh, just the, the the amount of Gold Gloves piled up. And He's seven time All Star, I think. Eight time Gold Glove. Yeah, all of that. I mean, those are usually no. Here, here's the thing about that: guys who go in the Hall of Fame, usually, not always, but usually, have things like that what is being touted for Scott Rowland. Eight go gloves, seven-time All-Star. However, there's some other big offensive numbers usually or, or mm-hmm. uh, other numbers, but the only stuff you're really hearing about Rowland is the eight gold gloves and the seven-time All-Star. Three, 316 home runs, yeah. 1,200 RBI, yeah. just over 2,000 hits. I mean, it's, it's a good career. What was the lifetime batting average? 281. Yeah. He more than was a two seventy nine lifetime. I mean, he got ten percent of the vote his first year on the ballot, and yep. now he's in the Hall of Fame. Yep. So by the way, it surpasses. I think Duke Snyder was the previous for in terms of where you start yep. to being in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I think he started like fourteen percent. Yeah, yeah. I was hearing that last night. Uh, Todd Helton was Todd Helton got really close. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was like seven, just just barely missed the cut. Uh, and, and it's funny with Todd Helton, Craig, like. A lot of people, the voters that didn't vote for him, I've heard this, you hold it against the guy because he played in Coors Field, which has been my, that was my argument for Jeff Bagwell being a Hall of Famer. When he played the prime of his career in the freaking Astrodome, mm-hmm. like you got to give him a little, you got to give a guy a little bit of leeway. But Helton was three, 369 home runs, 1,400 RBI, over 2,500 hits. Todd Helton's got a better case to me than Scott Rowland does, but... I don't think either of those guys are Hall of Famers. Yeah, yeah. Uh, by the way, somebody corrected me, and I'm glad you did. I, I, I didn't. It didn't sound right to me when it said Kirk Cousins. It's Joe Burrow is the other MVP. Okay, that makes finalist. that's a lot more palatable. Yep, than. yep, absolutely. And I appreciate the correction on that. I was trying to remember that. Yeah, it was. It was it, Joe Burrow was the other one, and uh, so you know. Anyway, that that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I like these I, these elections. It makes like the borderline guys like Fred McGriff like. Okay, if I'm if I'm looking at those three, right? Because there was a big controversy well, when Fred McGriff got in. Yeah. If I'm looking at those three, Todd Helton, Scott Rowland, and Fred McGriff, oh, there's no question at that point Fred McGriff's a Hall of Famer. Okay, who who uh I've just forgotten it's completely out of my mind, who played a lot of his career in Colorado that's in the hall that just went Larry in Larry Walker. Larry Walker. Larry Walker. Now Larry Walker did a lot of his damage with the Expos too. Right. So uh, you know, in in addition to benefiting from Coors Field. So you can kind of make a bit of a case there. The, yeah. The interesting one for me, and I, we talked about this. Uh, we talked about this when the Veterans Committee did their – when they selected Fred McGriff and Bonds and Clemens were left out. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, when you get to voting, where does Carlos Beltran wind up? Yep. Because it's not a PED issue, but right. he's dead center in the middle of the Astros. Kind of probably, right. probably the ringleader of that whole deal. Yep. Carlos Beltran, which I think Carlos Beltran's a borderline Hall of Famer. Yep. Forty six point five percent on his first ballot. Yeah, so there's some hope maybe there. Uh, by the way, Coach of the Year finalist uh, announced: Brian Dayball of the Giants, Shano for those of you wanting to call Kyle, Kyle Shanahan, <laughs> Kyle Shanahan of Forty Nine, Sean McDermott of the Bills. Doggone it, it went off the deal. Oh, Nick Sirianni of the Eagles, and uh, the guy who I think to me. I'm not going to say no-brainer because Brian Dayball did a heck of a job. Sirianni is a – but I think the coach of the year is Doug Peterson, Jacksonville. Man, I, 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 Dan Campbell would deserve some strong consideration. If they too. had made the playoffs, I think he definitely would have done it. 
You look where Jacksonville was at one and six, and to come back and win that division and win a playoff game. So that's why that's that's why Doug Peterson would get my vote. But I can understand how some others certainly merit it. Yeah. Can I go back to baseball real quick? Absolutely. Uh, this was Jeff Kent's last year on the ballot. Yeah. Forty six and a half percent. Well, it's funny you bring that up because John in the Bay on the Specs text line said, "How does Jeff Kent, with all the offensive numbers, not get in?" I understand. He was maybe an average defensive second baseman, but he was an MVP, a five-time All-Star, a four-time Silver Slugger Award winner, had 2,461 hits, 377 home runs, 1,518 RBIs, and a lifetime 290 batting average. Um, If you're going to make the argument that being an average fielder should keep you out of the Hall of Fame, as much as I love him, he was one of my favorite ballplayers of all time, if Mike Piazza is in the Hall of Fame, then Jeff Kent should have a really strong argument to get in the Hall of Fame. Because mm. Craig is being a, you're a Dodgers fan. I wouldn't call. Was not I wouldn't call defensive. Mike Piazza a defensive whiz behind the plate. He was not the best defensive catcher. And I love Mike Piazza. One of my favorite players. There's still time. a there's still a crack. I can tell you because I asked somebody recently who's still working uh, up there at uh, what is now Choctaw Stadium. And it was uh, the ballpark in Arlington originally for the Rangers, and then became a Globe Life park i guess um there there was a crack in the window one of the windows because when i worked at krld there the radio station faced out right by the visiting bullpen to left field and you could walk out there and then walk out when i was doing morning drive sports i could walk out there at like six twenty in the morning in the cool of the morning and sit out with a cup of coffee in the nice. center field seats out there it was really cool uh but there's a crack in the window down at the bottom where on one hop a Mike Piazza home run derby <laughs> shot on one hop skipped and hit that thing and and put a crack in that deal. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, but to your point, yes, not the best defensive catcher. No. So I think that that strengthens Jeff Kent's argument. Jeff Kent's a guy that'll that'll probably I think the Veterans Committee once they look at what he did, uh, especially his MVP season, you got to think he's hitting in the same lineup with Barry Bonds. So I think people will look at Kent at some point. I feel like Jeff Kent down the road is going to get it. I want to run this down for you real quick, though, Craig. Mm-hmm. Uh, these are guys that will be first-time eligible in 2024. Okay. So you tell me if they're Hall of Famers or not. Okay. Adrian Beltre. Yes. Joe Maurer. I'd have to look at the numbers again on him. If you look at peak Joe Maurer, yeah. I think there's no question, but the yeah. body of work, uh, probably a similar yeah. argument for this next guy, former Dodger great, Chase Utley. Close. If Kent's not in, how is Chase Utley in? Yeah, exactly. That's, that's, there's the rub. Uh, David Wright. Um, I can't get there with that. Matt Holliday. Closer. Matt Holliday's got just as good a numbers, if not better numbers, than Scott Rowland. Yeah. Adrian Gonzalez? No, I don't think so. Jose Batista? No. Only if uh, Rogi Odor did the induction yeah, for him. Right. Uh, Jose Reyes? No. Victor Martinez? No. What about Big Sexy, Big Bart, Bartola Colon's first year eligible next year? I'd have to look at his numbers. Uh, he's got a Cy Young, four-time yeah. All-Star, 247 wins, over 2,500 strikeouts. He's in. That's that's enough. What you just said, those numbers, those four categories you listed right there are the numbers that have to click for Hall of Fame balloters to do. And the n- total number of what you just mentioned is enough, I think. I did. I am reading something. I want to confirm this. Uh, 
Yeah, Bartolo Colon back in 2012, he did get a 50-game suspension for penalties. Uh, okay. So Bart, Bart probably not getting in. Yeah. If A-Rod not... and Man Ram can't get more than what yeah. they got, I don't think I don't think Bart's got much of a chance. Uh, John said, did Jeff Kent hurt himself while washing his truck? <laughs> I think this Hall of Fame. Spicewood, Texas resident. Yes. Yeah. Uh uh, somebody said Pete Rose and Barry Bonds deserve to be in. These holier than now baseball writers are insane. Yeah, it's an in, that's an entirely different discussion. Yeah, I, I believe even between Pete Rose and Barry Bonds, those are two entirely different discussions. I, I firmly believe, Craig, that Peter Edward Rose will take his rightful place in the Hall of Fame when he is no longer walking this mortal world. Yeah, when he is shaking it from this, this mortal coil. Yeah. I got a feeling that's how that's going to go down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Hey, back to your other question about the uh, shopping cart and coaches hurting themselves. Colin says that Jerry Vance, you know, former great coach at Liberty Hill, back-to-back state titles in 06 and 07. Talk about uh, guys, uh, leaders of the slot team mafia. Yeah. Uh, Jerry Vance punched a whiteboard once when we were losing to Coach Shipley. A burn at Liberty Hill rivalry was something fierce. He said... Jerry Vance punched a whiteboard. It hardly moved and didn't really have the impact he was hoping for. Coach Vance um, would probably tell you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably that's, that, that, that. that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. I love Coach Vance. Uh, and uh, all right, I tell you, what, we need a break. When we come back, we're going to do our Flex Thirty update, and we have our second hour Longhorn Notebook. When we continue. We light the tower on the horn. One zero four nine one zero one nine AM twelve sixty. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or twenty-four-seven in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Okay, what do we got working here? Yeah. Little flock of seagulls. Is this, is this is the long preamble into I ran so far away? Mm-hmm. It's reminds me of playing uh, Grand Theft Auto Vice City. Yeah. Is that weird that that's what I think of when I hear this song? Did you ever play that back in the day, Cam? I didn't play Vice City. I played five. Vice City was awesome. It's basically like uh, the Miami Vice version of Grand Theft Auto. Will you uh, buy okay. the new one, Jeff, when it comes out in 30 years? Uh, <laughs> um, I, I'll tell you this. I made a deal with my wife that she's refused to accept. Whenever EA Sports brings back the college football game, I'll buy whatever system I need to and buy that game. There you go. It, it, when I hear, when I see the, I remember the video, I was in college at the time. And anybody that's seen Flock of Seagulls, and the, the singer's hair with the way that hair was done, and I always think of the line, I think it's in Pulp Fiction, where John Travolta says, He's trying to identify somebody, but yeah, yeah, you flock of seagulls. <laughs> no, that's, that's Samuel L. Jackson at the it's the apartment scene. That's with it. Brett, like, yes. you flock of seagulls. That's him. That's it. That was it. Look <laughs> at the remember. big brain on Brett. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, yeah. This was his big hit. As we learned, as we learned from that scene, Craig, hamburgers are a cornerstone of any nutritious. Yes, breakfast. they are. Absolutely, have to be uh, on that. Uh, okay. 
All right. Uh, let's uh, roll to our Flex 30 updates. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. Uh, so, um, there uh, we go. Yeah, get over to flexatx.com. We've got a rundown of, uh, Austin area coaches that earned some awards from the Texas High School Coaches Association. So we yes. got a rundown of all that over there on the website. One note that I want to mention because there's really no other place to put it. Ron Holland, Texas signee out of Duncanville, officially named to the McDonald's All-America team yesterday. So he'll be playing in the McDonald's game in Houston later this morning. So there you go. I was going to mention that. Yeah, It's good that you mentioned the THSCA honors that went out to those Region 8 coaches. Uh, be confused on the regions and whatnot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you had uh, Coach Clawson from Elgin in 5A and Coach Warren from Wimberley in 4A. Obviously, uh, our, our good friend Drew Sanders, who's on with us every week during the season, uh, in uh, 6A. So you had uh, those guys honored. Doesn't that Blake Mouser, the O-line coach of Vandegrift? Absolutely. Region 8 assistant coach, coach of the year. year. So well done. And congratulations. Anytime I can shout out area O-line coaches, I'm more yeah. than happy to do it. Yes. Uh, uh, I don't it, think Coach Mauser wears a Voight or bike shorts and carries a skull can in his back pocket, though. Yeah. Got right, that, got that, not got that dip ring on the pocket. That's true. Uh, all right. So, anyway, there's uh, our uh, Flex 30 update. And it's time now for our second hour Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Longhorn Notebook, and it is brought to you by Erin Bowersock, the home loan expert, and she is also your Longhorn lender. Check her out on the web at bowersockteam.com. Start with some college baseball and then mm-hmm. weave our way back to football. Preseason all Big 12 baseball team is out, which probably means the preseason coaches poll for the Big 12 is going to come out tomorrow, I would think. Uh, Craig, would it surprise you to know there is not a single Longhorn position player? On the preseason All Big Twelve team as voted on by the league's coaches. Um, well, you know, the the mere fact that that uh, that they they weren't ranked mm-hmm. made me think. Okay, I guess they're being a little more lightly regarded, and so therefore, it would then not be a shock if that were the case. Yeah, uh, the you know the only guys that I could say in, in terms of position players because I think. You know, I have no Ivan Melendez, no Trey Faltini, no Skyler Messenger, Silas Ardwan, Doug Hodo. Uh, you can make really good arguments for Dylan Campbell or Eric Kennedy, uh, maybe even one for Mitch Daly, but it's hard to argue with what the Big 12 did at those at those positions, both in the infield and the outfield. A lot of proven commodities coming back in the league. Two Longhorns did make the preseason All-Big 12 team, though. Surprise, surprise on that pitching staff. Lucas Gordon, preseason first-team All-Big 12-er, as is Tanner Witt. But that's going to be one of the big questions for David Pierce whenever we meet with him ahead of the season is what does that timeline look like for Tanner Witt to come back? In my head, now, I don't, this isn't in the inside information. I haven't talked to anybody over at the dish. In my mind, I see the timeline for Tanner Witt if it works out, being very similar to what you saw Skip Johnson do last year at OU with Cade Horton, 
coming off of Tommy mm-hmm. John, where you gradually kind of get him comfortable, mm-hmm. let him work his way back. Then hopefully by the time you get into the back half of your conference schedule, by the time you get to the conference tournament, he's up 100% ready, raring to go. And, Craig, we saw Cade Horton in that conference tournament last year for OU. We saw him in the conference tournament, but we saw him a little bit before that in that series at Globe Life in the 1st of April. This looked like a completely different cat. Absolutely. Yeah, no doubt about it. And uh, and I think that's a good comparison there, what you're talking about with Kate Horton. Uh, so let we, not much to talk about on the football side. The hiring of Chris Jackson as a wide receivers coach is official. Uh, I was actually on my way home yesterday after recording uh, the Longhorn Blitz podcast uh, and saw the uh, the reports from some of the Jaguars beat writers that mm-hmm. Chris Jackson had informed Doug Peterson that he was taking the Texas job. Remember, uh, and I knew people were going to do this. Well, didn't he say he was not going to Texas? No, no, no. If you look at that tweet he put out, that was a, a non-denial denial. So left himself some cover. Uh, but this is, you know, it goes back to everything we've talked about since the start, Craig. And again, as I for the sake of repeating myself, what I've said for the last week, I don't want to belabor the point with the wide receiver position because we've talked a lot about it. But Sark was really looking for, first and foremost, a guy that can develop the talent in that room. Yep. I feel like from a recruiting standpoint, and, and I know that my, you know, Mike Roach has a story at Horns 24-7 right now if you want to get over there and look at Chris Jackson's potential impact as a recruiter. I feel like you've got enough guys who can help you recruit on this staff, and namely Jeff Banks. So there's the, the relationship mm-hmm. is between those two that played together at Washington State. If you can have a guy like Jeff Banks piggyback some of those recruitments or help get your foot in the door in some of those recruitments, I think you're going to be fine. And I heard Rod make a great point about this on Bald Online yesterday afternoon. When you get down to recruiting, recruiting is all about relationships. As long mm-hmm. as you're not an a-hole and you can form relationships with people and communicate and relate with you know, the 16-, 17-, 18-year-olds in society today, you, you should, you, you'll be able to recruit. That's, that's no problem. Right. But furthermore, you know, Sark's offense is one that sells itself – at the receiver position. And I think when you've got a quarterback room with Quinn Ewers and Arch Manning and Malik Murphy, and you see Sark's track record with receivers, look at the guys he's coached that are in the NFL right now, look at the number of draft picks he's produced, whether he's been an offensive coordinator or a head coach, a wide receiver, uh, it speaks for itself. So I think the combination of you know, you've know, you got a staff that we know has recruiting chops at Texas, they can recruit elite talent to Texas, on top of the fact that this offense is very receiver-friendly, I don't see recruiting being a really big problem for Chris Jackson. Like I said, as long as he's able to form relationships with recruits and can be a people person, which I don't think Sark would have hired him if he didn't feel like he could do that. No, because he he wants all of them to be able to recruit. He's not – he wasn't hiring – and I hope nobody thought this, that he wasn't hiring someone in a vacuum as – uh, with regards to recruiting, like I don't need a recruiter. I need a guy who can coach. Me. You need all of the above with all of your coaches. Yeah. They all need to be able to recruit. They all need to be able to coach their positions. They all need to be able to develop talent. It all goes into it. Uh, I know it drew a lot of attention, and rightly so, about wanting to get a, a talent developer for the wide receiver spot that the recruiting piece became not as critical Mm-hmm. As the other, but you still want a guy who can recruit. I, I really think you you look at the receivers coaches Texas has had over the last twenty plus years. Daryl Drake, I think, did the best job of of filling both roles at an elite level mm-hmm. in terms of being able to recruit elite talent. You talk to B.J. Johnson, Roy Williams, the guys that played for Daryl Drake were recruited by him. They'll tell you that he sold them on the program first and foremost, and then he developed talent. 
Daryl Drake put a lot of guys in the NFL, and we we saw how much the NFL valued his ability to develop talent because he spent uh, a vast majority of his career uh, until his passing coaching in the National Football League. So Daryl Drake did both at a really high level. You know, Bobby Kennedy, better recruiter than he was a a developer of the position. I think Daryl Wyatt was pretty good at both. I don't think he was elite at either, but he was pretty good at both. Uh, you know, Les Koenig was only here for a year. Charlie Williams was only here for a year, but I felt like in terms of being a developer, I feel like Charlie Williams got the most out of that receiver room. I mean, you go look at the number of 25, 30 catch seasons, whether it was Amani Foreman, Jake Oliver, Petey Warwick. I think Colin Johnson had 28 catches as a true freshman. I thought Charlie Williams got a lot. And Quan Cosby sold me on the Charlie Williams. I remember talking to Quan because – uh, he was Quan's position coach in Indianapolis. We were talking to Quan after that hire, and Quan told me that Charlie Williams, just in terms of being a coach, a developer, uh, being able to relate to players would be really good. And I felt like for the one year he was, uh, Drew Maringer, much better recruiter than he was coach of the position. Uh, so uh, Brennan Marion was only here for a year, so how much can you really say? Andre Coleman, probably a better re- developer of the position than he was a recruiter. So you can find, you can get both. It's just been a while since Texas has had both. Yeah. at the Or a guy that's been here for more than a year, yeah. where we can really figure it out. That's true. A good point there. You know, I was just looking, as as you were a moment ago, at that preseason All-Big 12 baseball team, and I look at that list, and a good chunk of them are guys that I could almost swear to you are in their seventh or eighth year of eligibility. <laughs> guys that just been there forever. Nick Goodwin at Kansas State. It seems like he's been there forever. Forever. There's some uh, of those TCU guys that I, I could have sworn Taylor. had didn't have eligibility left. Um, uh, uh, Elijah Nunez uh, was there. Ty Coleman at Tech. Nolan McLean of Oklahoma State. Now the reason I said about Nolan McLean is Nolan McLean, who I believe is a native of either Canada or Minnesota, he is on his fourth school. And and cashing his COVID years, well, he played at Kentucky, he played Juco, <laughs> and I think he might have played at Minnesota as well. He's been around a long time. Uh, you mentioned Lucas Gordon and Tanner Witt there in the Did starting. You mentioned pitches. Ty Coleman at Tech. Ty Coleman at Tech. My goodness, been around a lot. Garrett Wright at TCU, Luke Savage at TCU. Those are guys that have been around. I, Even I felt, Mason Molina, I think, has been I felt around. Like Luke Savage left like two years ago. <laughs> I know. Uh, good players, good ball player. Braden Taylor, TCU is he's good. I'm interested to see this uh, Jerron Watts-Brown, the uh, preseason pitcher of the year for Oklahoma State and preseason newcomer of the year. And then Anthony Silva, TCU from San Antonio, the preseason freshman of the year. So it's uh, it's going to be a pretty interesting uh, Big 12 baseball season. Looking so, forward to that. So I've got one more football note before yes. we move on. If you've been paying attention to Mike Roach at Horns 24-7 mm-hmm. and Hudson Standish. Best, and why wouldn't you? Best recruiting coverage in the Texas market you get from my guys on Horns 24-7. Uh, Mike has been saying, hey, it sounds like Texas is done in the class of 2023, but this staff is going to leave no stone unturned making sure before you get to signing day, if there's anybody that they deem that they feel can help them, they might go in on it. Mike is reporting this morning that Warren Roberson, defensive back out of Red Oak, committed to TCU, did not sign with the Horn Frogs in the early period. Mike Roach reporting now he's going to take a visit to Texas this weekend. Ah, Okay. Okay. Warren Roberson, that's a four-star prospect, uh, number 253 overall in the uh, 24-7 sports composite rankings, top 50 prospect consensusly in the state of Texas. Consensusly, okay. is that a word? Consensusly? Uh, I don't think so. Cons- I don't think so either. Yeah. That's a dang, that's a dang verbal mistake on my part. <laughs> but Warren Roberson, 
from Red Oak get a visit this weekend, according to Mike Rose. Okay. We'll be back to wrap up today's edition of Light the Tower on the Horn, 1049, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. All right. Wrapping up this one today. And um, somebody also mentioned, John in the Bay mentioned, yeah, Madison Booker is named a McDonald's All-American for the women's program. She's from Mississippi, so we're excited about that. Texas women tonight, just like the men last night, if they win the night, they're going to be in a three-way tie for first. I say that because Iowa State has to beat beat TCU. TCU is awful. Iowa State will beat TCU tonight. So if Texas can beat OU, it's a three-way tie for first, just like with the men. So we'll see. That's on 105 through the bat. We'll begin 645 of the airtime, 7 o'clock with the tip. Have yourself a good day. Yeah. You guys enjoy the uh, enjoy the women's game tonight. Yep, absolutely. Red River action. Yeah. For our man behind the glass, our producer Cameron Parker, who will be my engineer tonight on the women's broadcast. And for my co-host Jeff Howell, I'm Craig Way. Thanks for joining us. We invite you to stay tuned. Chad and Zay are coming up next, and we'll visit with you tomorrow morning, 10 o'clock, right here on Light the Tower.